welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Kappa, I mean Katie Pickler, and with me is Court Winsett. Kappa Sigma. <laughs> and Cameron Spann. Tridale Houseboy. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to get a little Greek with it. We're doing the finances of Greek life because believe me, parents, if you haven't considered it as part of your college expense and your child is even slightly leaning toward Greek life, you need to consider it when you're budgeting. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of going to be a fun thing. We're going to, we're talking about Greek life. I really want to throw in some pros and cons because it is very divided. You know, do you like Greek life? Do you not? Do you put it on resumes? Do you not? Like, what are the benefits of it? And yes, obviously, it is an expense, so you've got to think about it. But with everything, um, and to be transparent, I was Greek. Court, you were Greek. Yes. Cam? I married a Greek. Married a Greek. There you go. Yeah, it's we've got kind of different perspectives, which I think will make this episode interesting. Let's get started with our list. The list! Yes, let's do the list. So these are top TV shows or movies featuring Greek life. I will have to admit, so we had this first list that our new communications guru, assistant, I don't, I don't know, she's, she's titled... Content specialist. Content specialist. <laughs> um, so she's really kind of helping Cam out a lot with communications, but she did some research on this list for us and... There were several that were missing at the end, and I think that was just kind of maybe an age thing. But we still love her. So, okay, I'll start it out. Shout out, Nicole. (laughs) Yes, Nicole's awesome. We love her. Okay, number one, not necessarily in any order, Greek. Okay. TV show, ABC Family. Mm-hmm. Which you've talked about a few times before. I love this show. It's it's one of mine that I will go back and just have in the background and watch. It's obviously a fun, uh, I think five or six seasons maybe, but it's about different fraternities and sororities. You've got kind of the rugged frat, and then you've got the real pristine preppy boys, and then different sororities, and all the drama that goes with it. Mm, it's okay. awesome. <laughs> Sounds like reliving a life I'd rather forget. Oh, no. Uh, Um, Okay, so next is Scream Queens, which of course was a sorority that was going through a rather horrific experience. (laughs) Um, I mean, I thought it was funny. It's kind of a a, a horror slash comedy slash horror satire type of vibe to it and stars some people that that you would recognize. I think uh, Leah Michelle's in it. Uh, I think... Emma Robert. Emma Robert. The cast wasn't wasn't really the thing for me. It was just sort of the the -the over-the-top horror elements to it that I thought were ridiculous but that amused me to watch. It's a shame I have number three, Katie. This is Legally Blonde. I have no reason to talk about this. Katie is the expert, but uh, Reese Witherspoon went to Harvard Law. Hmm. Yeah, wasn't in a sorority at Harvard. Law. She was in a sorority right. at the school that she went to prior to going to Harvard. Oh, Law. she was not just in the sorority. She was the sorority. She was the she was the president of the sorority her senior year. Um, when she was floating on the inflatable in the pool, or was that at her home? Well, that was at her home. Okay, I always kind of I always kind of assumed that that part was filmed at her home. That so. sorority had a pool, and that was a nice sorority Ooh, house. Have you seen some sorority houses? I mean, I have seen some sorority houses in my day. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, the house bunny, that house was not necessarily that great. This was... Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. yep. And so she is kind of down on her luck and becomes a house mom for a sorority. And uh, she was down on her luck, meaning she got kicked out of the Playboy Mansion. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you leave Hugh Hefner, where do you go? You go and be a house mom in a sorority because she felt like that was the closest she could get to being back at the Playboy Mansion. What an amazing premise. I, I never knew what that was about. What? I, I didn't see it. It's really cute because 
Obviously, she is a playmate, and so she went to the very nice, pristine, pretty sorority that was all glammed out and stuff, and they wanted nothing to do with her. Emma Stone and Rumor Willis, so it's a bunch of kind of misfits, and then they get hot. <laughs> and so she changes all they of them. They take off their glasses, they take and off all their of a glasses. sudden, they're hot. Oh, She's yeah. all that. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. But it's it's really cute. Well, fitting that I should have the next one because, of course, uh, the next one is Pitch Perfect. And if I've mentioned Pitch Perfect once, I've mentioned it a million times. Mm-hmm. It is one of my, I guess I'll say it's one of my guilty pleasures because I think I'm supposed to be embarrassed that I love it. But I do love this movie. And, of course, they are not technically in a sorority, but basically the acapella scene at the college that they go to Mm -hmm. is basically like Greek life. I mean, they are, you know, each little acapella group basically has their own thing and they're they're looking for the best people and then there's the outcast reject acapella group and so on and so forth. And Awkward. Yeah, it's a great movie. This rotation is unfair because I keep getting movies (laughs) that I have no business uh, discussing, but this is Sydney White and I have been informed that it stars Amanda Bynes. Yes. Or does she play, I guess she plays Sydney White as well. Yeah, she's Sydney White. This is one that it kind of nods to the legacy, which you're a legacy if your mother, sister, aunt, like various family members for a girl or for a guy, your dad, brother, something like that. Mm-hmm. If you had a family member that was in this fraternity or sorority, then you are dubbed a legacy. And so, some chapters put a lot of weight on that, that that's a big deal. You got to keep the legacies. Others could care less. That's kind of a hot topic in the Greek life right now is because some of them don't care that your mother, grandmother, aunt, sister, brother, all of them were in the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but so this movie is that she has a legacy. Um, she is n- nothing like her mother, but her mother was very involved in the sorority. Her mother is no longer alive. And so it's about her trying to transform, to try and fit the mold. And it's, it's funny, interesting, but shows that different side of Greek life and how different organizations fit different people. I'm bummed that I got this one instead of the well, next one. Well, technically, but... that was Cam. So I'm going to give Cam what would have been mine. Okay. So that's 22 Jump Street, Cam. You can take that one. 22 Jump Street. <laughs> Starring uh, Jonah Hill and yes. Channing Tatum. Right, right. Now, this was a spinoff from the TV show starring Johnny Depp, correct? 21 Jump Street? Well, 21 Jump Street was a, a reboot movie of the TV show, 21 Jump Street, starring Johnny Depp. 21 Jump Street, the movie, starred Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And then they made a sequel. That was them in high school. Then in they college. made a sequel, 22 Jump Street, which was them in college. Greek life. With a lot of college movies, there's Greek life. Yeah. Um, of course, not as much prominent Greek life as was in the next two movies, which is you a, a duple. Uh, it's Neighbors and Neighbors 2. Of course, it's uh, Neighbors and Neighbors 2 starring most prominently, I guess, Seth Rogen and... Oh, man. Zach Efron. Zach Efron, Woo! yes. Seth Rogen plays a married man that's living next door. He and his wife are expecting a child or have had just had a child. And they're in the first one, I think they're... I think they haven't it's just had the baby the, yet. Yeah, they, I don't think they've had the baby yet at all. And they're living next door to a fraternity house in the first one. And they are basically having battles with this fraternity because it does nothing but have loud parties all the time. Then in the second one, they have a child and the fraternity has moved out of the house next door to them. But a sorority moves in 
And they think it's going to be calmer. Yeah. <laughs> but then Zach Efron moves in as the sorority's basically house dad. And of course, he was the major cause of all of their trouble in, in Neighbors 1. So more trouble ensues and hilarity is never far behind trouble. Next on the list, and I, I get this one a lot. It's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, The Social Network, about Mark Zuckerberg's rise to creating Facebook. Now, his good friend at Harvard who was kind of a, a wealthy, privileged kid, was invited into one of the hottest fraternities at Harvard. And Mark Zuckerberg was jealous and spread rumors about him to try to get him in trouble. It was chaos, but... Who played, yes. the, who played the best friend? One of the great Spider-Men. So, Andrew Garfield. That's right. I think it was like during the, the big Spider-Man No Way Home craze that there was a clip from the social network that was going around that was this clip of Andrew Garfield storming in somewhere and like... He says, Mark! Yeah, picking yeah. up his, his laptop and yeah. slamming it down. That's right. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Such a good movie. <laughs> okay, Monsters University. Obviously, this is a sequel to Monsters, Inc. And it's where they go to college. It's good. It's cute. Were so they... it's a prequel? Is it a prequel? It is. Yes. Okay. And it's really cute. The different monsters have different fraternities and sororities they're a part of. And then they have like a great competition. It's it's very fun. I liked it. I get the, the grandfather, I guess, of all fraternity yes. movies, Animal House. I don't. I haven't watched it through like today's PC colored lenses. Oh, but, it's still so awesome. I, I'm not sure how how it holds up in terms of respectfulness. But double uh, secret probation. But it's definitely a classic, hilarious movie, and uh, I love it. If Animal House is the grandfather of college comedies, I have to say that my next movie, Old School, is probably the father. Or yeah. the son of college comedies. <laughs> See, these two were not on Sweet Nicole's original list. Sweet, sweet Nicole. And that's where I'm like, you can't talk about Greek life without talking about Animal House, which mm. is just the example of a fraternity for so many people. And then old school. Will Ferrell, Luke Wilson. Man, so funny. I don't even know which lines to quote here. You're my boy, Blue. <laughs> yeah, they're so. I mean, that's a great one. I think old school was definitely geared more towards those people that were in fraternities missing their fraternity life. And I haven't seen Old School in probably a decade. I don't know if it holds up to the PC standards of today. <laughs> so I'm not advocating for it, but it was funny <laughs> when I saw it. But watch it and know the times that it was made. Because obviously, like, even in Animal House, then uh, I think Bluto's kind of a bit of a peeping Tom. and Oh, yeah. Which is... Yeah, there's all sorts of suspect <laughs> behavior going on in Animal House. Just I like mean, in yeah, any fraternity, uh, right? Yeah, the <laughs> whole situation with the Dean's daughter. And it's like another one that didn't the make the Dean's list <laughs> I'll throw in a last one that, that didn't make the list that, that is another example of that very, very suspect behavior. But you've got the next one. Yeah, Van Wilder I threw in here. Um, now, technically, Van Wilder himself was not in a fraternity, but uh, this was Ryan Reynolds, Tara mm -hmm. Reid. Yes. Yes. And he, I mean, so he wasn't in the fraternity, but you see scenes of like Tara Reid was dating kind of a douchebag who yeah. was in a fraternity. Yeah. And fraternity brothers often play the bad guy in some movies <laughs> from the annals of fraternity movies that absolutely just there was some highly, highly suspect behavior. Uh, let us not forget Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. <laughs> yep. At the time, I thought it was a hilarious movie, but boy, did they do some stuff that I don't think they would put in a movie nowadays. But still, who cares? I mean, that's like... I'm not I'm not advocating for cancellation of said movie. I'm just saying that it was pretty raunchy for its time. I love this list because it shows different views. Some of them were very favorable to Greek life. Some of them were not. And... Even within a show like Greek and Screen Queens, like you see both sides of it. 
And that's kind of a, a hot topic. I mean, I, I come from a family that both my parents were Greek, my brother was Greek, I'm Greek, my husband's Greek. So we're big on fraternity sororities. Still to this day, I have great friends that were not Greek. And so when you talk about it, then there's, there's a definite divide. Some people really are not big on it at all. And others eat, sleep, and breathe. And that's like, they carry that with them for the rest of their lives. They're a grown adult talking to you and they're name dropping their fraternity or sorority they're in. I'm not saying one is better than the other. Let's discuss it. So Greek life. What do 85% of the executives of Fortune 500 companies and 80% of United States presidents since 1900s have in common? Greek life. Greek life. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's true, which I thought was pretty cool. 85% Fortune 500 companies and 80% of the United States presidents. Yeah, you know, but what it, with those presidents, it doesn't matter about the Greek organizations. It's all about those secret societies, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> That's skulls. A, the skulls, I was thinking. That's that. a whole another episode where maybe we can, maybe October we could do a fun like secret societies mm. and like the myths and legends. The of Illuminati. Them. I mean, I was Illuminati. obsessed with the secret societies while Keiki was at school because the school that she goes to has a ton of them, mm. and so I was I was pretty obsessed with them. But yeah, it's 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 fun to find out what you can about them. Some are more secretive than others. Yeah, yeah let's earmark that for October. Let's, yeah, let's do that. So fraternities and sorority memberships help young men and women cultivate leadership skills, gain a sense of social identity, and learn to play well with others. <laughs> I liked that. There are 123 fraternities and sororities with 9 million members. Now with it, that's 123 fraternities and sororities. There are true fraternities and sororities under that Greek life umbrella, but there are a lot of branch off things where you may have a musical fraternity or an honors fraternity. Mm -hmm. And so... We'll loosely discuss with that as well. But yeah. that's kind of we're talking about those main fraternities and sororities that have been around for a very long time. You would think of them mostly as social clubs almost, at least from the perspective of what you've seen in movies. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to most people who are big into Greek life, they would probably take issue with the idea that all they are is a social club. They're, you're not paying for your friends. It's not just for you to have the better parties. There's a lot that goes into it. Although you do have the better parties <laughs> and you do make friends, but... Yeah. yeah. There are 750,000 undergraduate members in 12,000 chapters on more than 800 campuses in the USA and Canada. Of the nation's 50 largest corporations, 43 are held by fraternity men. 40 out of 47. U.S. Supreme Court justices since 1910 were fraternity men. 76% of all congressmen and senators belong to a fraternity. Almost every U.S. president and vice president born since the first social fraternity was founded in 1825 have been members of a fraternity. A U.S. government study shows that over 70% of all those who join a fraternity slash sorority graduate, while under 50% of all non-fraternity sorority persons graduate. So that one kind of clues more towards people who are not very favorable of fraternities and sororities think that people are going to flunk out. They're not going to be mm -hmm. held to a higher standard with academics. But actually, as we'll dive into this in a minute, you have to keep a certain grade point average yeah. to stay in a sorority or fraternity. And Most and national sororities or fraternities require that you maintain a certain GPA. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you have to stay current on all of your dues and your financial obligations. Your school tuition has to be paid. All of your, your obligations to the school have to be paid if you want to continue your activities with the fraternity or sorority. So it, yeah, it, you can get called the standards. Yeah. And it's, they're serious. It is not anything you play with. 
Also, um, also just your overall look. You know, you hear about, you know, you don't want to be caught in a picture with a red Solo cup. You know, they, they really hold you, they hold you to high standards across the board. Boy, that was not the case when <laughs> back when I was in school. But then I think we didn't have a little different. Yeah, we didn't have social media at all when I was in school. So Well, and it's it's can change even now. Like when I was in school, social media was really starting to kick up. And so you would get an X on your picture if there was something inappropriate about it from the standards group. Because within your sorority, you would elect a group of people that would kind of be the police. Make sure you were keeping up with your academics. Make sure you're keeping up with your image. And you would get warnings. And there could be, there was disciplinary. There was bylaws that you had that if you had too many X's or you kept giving a wrong image, then you were asked to leave or pay fines or different things like that. Now I've got a, my cousin, she is about to go through Rush at Ole Miss and she was telling me how their TikToks have to be so locked down, their Instagram, Facebook, everything, because they're watching. I mean, you think about now there's so much content on these girls going in versus like when I went through Rush, it's you could check my Facebook, but I controlled what pictures you saw, all of that. Now it's just everywhere. So that stupid video or TikTok you made with your friends, like it's everywhere. Yeah. Okay, so here's one of the things that people complain about fraternities and sororities who are not in fraternities or sororities. If you are active in a fraternity or sorority, it limits your interaction with the college campus overall and with the other activities and potential involvement that you can have in college campuses overall. But we've got a statistic here that says that over 85% of the student leaders on some 730 campuses are involved in Greek community. So Mm -hmm. student leaders, that's an involvement in organizations outside of your Greek organization. And this is saying 85% of student leaders uh, on 730 campuses are involved in Greek life in addition to being involved in just general campus life. So I think that sort of nips that Yeah, idea you're in encouraged to be a part of different things. You're, you know, depending on what schools you go to, you're encouraged to go to the sporting events and to be there in support and not just show up for the tailgate and leave. I thought this was kind of cool. The first female senator and the first female astronaut were Greek. It's pretty cool. And then all of Apollo 11 astronauts were all Greek. Hmm. Nationally, the Greek community raises over $7 million each year. So that's they're very philanthropic. And if, if you look at each fraternity and sorority, so a lot of these have been around since the 1800s. And they all have histories behind them of where schools started them, how people came together. But each of them have their own identity. They have their colors. They have their symbols. They have a crest. But they also have their nonprofit that is really, some of them have multiple, but that is where their passion project is. Mm -hmm. And not only do they have to support that nonprofit nationally, they have to do local things. They are very community driven. Yes. And so I know like my my sorority, I'm Kappa Delta, our headquarters is in Memphis, but we did a lot with Girl Scouts of America. We did a lot with prevent child abuse and women's shelters. And so we have multiple nonprofits that we were working with. What's your sorority's mascot? Our mascot? Like coyotes and owl. That's something that changes a good bit. Kappa Delta has the ladybug. We're green and white. Frog. One of my relatives, they had frogs all over everything. I know one of them is a dolphin. I don't know if that's Phi-Mu or Tridel. No, that's Tridel. Tridel, Tridel. Okay. yeah. That's something that changes a lot, like dagger a lot of times, but that's kind of sends a bad message. Hey, we're Kappa Delta dagger. But I mean, the dagger is very prevalent in our crest. Okay, some more statistics, and then we'll get into the meat of this. Uh, As alumni, Greeks give approximately 75% of all money donated to universities. 
that's where the Greeks are giving back to not only their organizations, but their schools because they want to give back. They're not just staying within that fraternity or sorority. And the Greek system is the largest net worth of volunteers in the U.S., with members donating over 10 million hours of volunteer service each year. And lastly, 71% of those listed in Who's Who in America belong to a fraternity. Not saying that the fraternity or sorority is what made successful people, but a lot of successful people had this in their background. Mm. It helped foster their leadership skills, their networking. I'm a terrible networker, so I didn't really see that benefit of, of being able, learning how to, to network when I was in a fraternity. But obviously, it can teach those skills, and some fraternities more than others focus on skills like that. Like, for instance, my old chapter now brings in professionals in the area as mentors for their, their current actives, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help them with resumes and interview skills and to talk about the industry that they're in and so on and so forth. So there's a there's a whole lot that obviously in the last, whoo, it's been 26 <laughs> years now that I, since I graduated, there's a lot that's changed about fraternities since I was there. Okay, so let's look at the bad side of it. There is a lot of bad raps that come out there about fraternities it's, mm-hmm. and sororities about Hazing, hazing, and you know, with the girls, it's that they strip you down and take a sharpie and point out your imperfections and make you have to morph and change into something to fit their mold. And with guys, it's you know, getting them to do crazy, have hell week. And the thing is, is that there may or may not have been some hazing situations in the past. There may or may not still be some hazing situations, but the majority of all of that is not really happening anymore or really to the extent that a lot of people thought it was because every sorority and fraternity is restricted. I mean, they have, it's not only just what their local chapter is, they have a national chapter that is making sure that each individual school's chapter is running everything. So think about it within one sorority or fraternity, you've got elected friends that are running the organization, then you more than likely have outside people that are being advisors helping. Then you've got a national chapter that is making sure you're following all the rules and guidelines. And when I was in school, they're still watching everything. Like if we, we posted a picture because we saw another college campus do it, And it was a bunch of girls in front of a fraternity house and we're holding a banner like we love AGR. I don't remember who it was. And we're all wearing black tube top dresses. But the way we're holding the banners, all you see is the top part of us and the bottom part of us. And so it just looks like... It looks like you're nude. Yes. Yeah. It looks like you're nude. Mm -hmm. We had that up for, I think, maybe five minutes before our national office was calling us saying we need to get all the pictures that the fraternity had. We needed to get the picture down. They did not care that we were not nude on campus, but it looked that way and they did not like how it looked. Even though we had seen another sorority, a different sorority at a different school do it, our particular sorority was like, nope, we are not doing that. And that was back in, that would I think that was back in 2010, maybe we did that. Yeah, I think the rise of social media absolutely had a big part of the lockdown, the mm-hmm. serious nature of it, because you were just going off like eyewitness for years and years and years, and all of a sudden it's just out there for hundreds of thousands of millions of people to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my point is the reason why a lot of those schools are not going to participate in these hazing and these belittling of people is because they know not only are they going to get in trouble by their national, they're going to get in trouble by their school. Universities can kick sororities and fraternities off campus and they have and they will. 
and they can remove charters, all of that very easily. So you think about it, it's in the best interest for those organizations to do what they're supposed to do and not get in trouble. And even if it is for a TikTok or whatever, like they're not going to do it. Just so everybody understands that this isn't just a go-go Greek life uh, podcast episode. I have been to several different college campuses in the past, say, six or so years. And I can say that there is still definitely a whole lot of drinking that goes on on Fraternity Row. I mean, if you walk past Fraternity Row on like a Saturday night after a football game at any of the three colleges that I have spent a significant amount of time at over the last six years... Um, I would say that, you know, you could definitely smell the alcohol wafting from the houses. So there's still a lot of boozing going on. I mean, I've got this quick little back and forth pros and cons. So, Court, you want to be con or pro? Uh, I'll be con. Okay. Okay. So start it off. Okay. So con, the price. They are expensive. They (laughs) are. You have to buy the t-shirts. You have to buy the tickets. You You have have to... to, You have to pay pay dues. dues. (laughs) You know, and that that will be whether they... Whether you're... Whether you are living or your child is living in the house or just living in a dorm and then attending meetings and stuff. There are dues either way. And... They you gotta can be pay the houseboy. <laughs> what are we paying the houseboy for, Cameron? <laughs> what were you doing? A little backstory. <laughs> no, there's not much backstory. So in high school, my brother-in-law, he was a Pike at state. Mm-hmm. I got a letter from from Pike, I guess, inviting me to rush or something. But I knew early on I didn't want to be part of Greek life. I, I didn't have anything wrong with it. It's just I kind of wanted my freedom in college to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go to certain functions. But in college, an opportunity came up to be a houseboy for Tri-Delta Sorority. And what that meant is free food. Basically, you serve the girls <laughs> dinner, you wash the dishes, but you get a free meal. Oh, you got to clean up after everybody. You did. For a college guy, that went a long way. Just a free meal and hang around some pretty girls. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So, but, so but my we wa- know how much, uh, what Cameron's price is. Yeah, that's right. It's a free meal. Just a free meal, and it still stands today. <laughs> but my my girlfriend at the time and my wife now, she she was a Kyo, so that was interesting. I was a Tri-Delt houseboy, but my significant other was a Kyo. Was she your significant other while you were a houseboy? Yes, absolutely. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because we've gone down the rabbit hole and uh, Cam knows some of my husband's ex-girlfriends. That's exactly right. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, pro networking. We kind of touched on this a little bit, but um, absolutely, no matter what, you've got this group of people that you can always go back and be like, they're your sisters or they're your brothers. And from that, you've got a pool of alumni that you can always, even if you went to different schools, all of that. So for instance, like Court's wife and I, we are in the same sorority. So even if we didn't have anything else in common, it's just like we both are Capadelsis. Mm-hmm. That is kind of an unspoken bond. There's a certain phrase we can say to each other that's just kind of a cool, like a little bit of a secret society-ish type thing. It's a sisterhood. It's a sisterhood. And so with that, you've got the networking that that sometimes can get your foot in the door. That if you look and see oh, I really want to get a meeting with this person. You may be able to call somebody else who is an alumni or something. And just the way to loan up, I was this sorority or fraternity, get me in the door. It'll help. Okay, next con, hazing. I truly believe that hazing is probably less a problem now than it was when I was in school. And quite frankly, where I went to school when I was in school, I don't think hazing was much of a problem on on my campus, although it was probably more prevalent than it is today. That said, there were campuses back in the 80s and 90s where hazing was a big deal, and um, I heard some serious horror stories. I don't think it's as bad as it used to be, 
you know, again, we, we've talked about this sort of lens of political correctness and stuff that, that goes on today. A lot of the stuff that I went through that, that, that when I was in college and in a fraternity going through pledging, I didn't even consider hazing. It was just, you know, it was just some of the fun stuff we did that they, that they mostly granted had pledges do, but it wasn't like it was torture or anything. And that wouldn't pass muster now. They would say, no, you can't do that. That's hazing. Well, you went to Hogwarts of the South. I feel like uh, (laughs) Professor Dumbledore would have uh, rocked your world if if y'all had hazed. I mean, a lot of the hazing that will go on and and still will happen is kind of like you think about an intern. It's just kind of, you do the grunt work. Like you've moved up that you've become a senior member. And so no, you don't have to pick up after a meeting or you don't have to set the papers out or take the trash out or whatever. Like it's kind of like teaching people to work yourself up. Like if you don't want to be the one that has to take the trash out, just know like, you know, after you're here a little bit, then it's going to be the next round of people that have to take the trash out. I mean, I see that, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I don't I, see a problem with I'm a grown ass man. Treat me like I'm a grown ass man, please. Uh, no, I'm not going to be your little servant boy. Um, I have to be your servant boy to be in your club. I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll not be in your club. Thanks. Bye. And this is why it's important to find where you fit. <laughs> Because and this will be my little rant right here and because I don't know where else it's going to fit. Every sorority and fraternity is different every year, every school. So if I was to go back to Kappa Delta at MTSU today, it is a totally different group of girls, totally different feel to that organization than when I was there. And it, it's going to change as the group of people get into it, as the school changes, an SEC school is going to have a totally different sorority fraternity life than a private smaller 100. school. 100. <laughs> totally different. And so that's where Greek life may have been for you if you had gone to a smaller school or if you had gone to a bigger school. So it's it's all fitting in with that. Okay, the next pro on this list is philanthropy. We've talked about that a good bit, but it is, it's one of those that as a College kid, which let's face it, you're pretty selfish a lot of times with that because you're out of freedom, you're out of your parents' house, you don't have somebody telling you to go to bed or what to eat. And so philanthropy is really one of those that it helps you to give back and to really make a difference and start instilling that as a value in your life then and that you understand why you should be helping nonprofits, why you should be helping people less fortunate. Next con is alcohol and drug abuse. And yeah, duh, alcohol and drug abuse happens. And it may be a little bit more prolific in the Greek community than it is outside the Greek community. But the fact is, when you go to college, you're going to booze it up, whether you're in a fraternity or in a sorority or not. The fraternities and sororities, sororities especially, have, again, rules in place that... Uh, you know, if someone gets too boozed up or too too drunk or, you know, whatever, then there's probably going to be repercussions for them, or at least there's going to be a system in place to get that person home and get them in bed. Whereas a, a person who's not in Greek life and, and just shows up at some party somewhere and gets really blitzed, who's going to be watching out for them? Mm-hmm. So there's sort of that, it is a negative, it is available. Is alcohol more available to a Greek person who's underage than it is to a just a, a college person who's not in Greek life who's underage? I don't know. Maybe. I don't, I mean, you know, they throw parties on campuses with, in their house with alcohol. So yeah, probably, the, there's probably more alcohol available to an underage drinker, but quite frankly, uh, no matter what college you go to, you probably, unless it's something like 
What's that college? You know, the, the, the Mormon college. Yeah, the Mormon college. Yeah. <laughs> Other than a college like that, you know, y- you can probably find booze if you're looking for booze. So I think it's an issue, especially when you combine booze and or drugs with hazing, because a lot of times hazing involves booze. And that's where you get a lot of your national news stories. But just as a general rule, I think um, if you're the person that's going to school and you're thinking about joining Greek life, exercise some self-control. And if you're a parent of a person who's going to college and considering Greek life, teach them how to exercise some (laughs) self-control. It exists. It's out there. How you react to it is really going to determine your college experience and your life forevermore. Thank you. I'll get off my soapbox. (laughs) No hate, Brigham Young. No hate. No, no hate at all. But they do have very, very strict rules. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, next pro. Social identity and skills. This is very true that... You're going to call. You're going away to college. That's terrifying. And unless you're going with like your small group of friends or something like that, you're out there in a you know small fish in a big old pond, mm-hmm. and it kind of sets you immediately with a click. You are instantly going into it knowing you've got a circle of people that, whether you really know them or not, you're bonded together for some reason because of this group. And so I think that's huge. So that kind of helps you. Have that safety net of people that you can figure out who you're going to be in these college years with them. The other thing is skills. It's kind of like when you have somebody who comes and joins your group, like a board or a a work, they're going to find out what are your skill sets? What do you do? And they're going to help put everyone in positions to really do what they want to do. Like I always got picked to help with Fight Song, which was ours where we merged with the fraternities and we choreographed dances and it's because I had danced for 15 years. So they're like, you, you dance, you choreograph. I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, mm. got this. It's not fun trying to choreograph a bunch of drunk or hungover fraternity guys. I vividly remember looking at Pledge Dad and saying, you go get him a cup of coffee. They're like, no, 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 he's too drunk. I said, uh-uh, I need him here. Go get him coffee. He has to dance. So I was one of those. So I guess I hazed him because I said he couldn't be drunk and not dance. But it's also skill sets is I had grown up around nonprofit work, grown up around my mom doing events all the time. My sorority allowed me to really take over our big nonprofit event we did, which was Wing Fling. And it was logistics. It was getting the community involved. And so because of that, I really think that is what then ultimately led me to having my event planning company and going into nonprofit work. And so those skill sets helped prepare me for life and trying to manage a bunch of sorority girls. Then when you're actually managing adults, it's a, not that the sorority girls aren't adults, but when you're managing people outside of a college setting, then it's easier. And so I think the skill sets, a sorority or fraternity will let you sharpen the saw be a president, be a secretary, be standards, be whatever position you wanted to be to help really test the waters and you can take it with you. Let me see. This was social identity and skills was mm-hmm. the pro. So without naming names, I have a child who went to school and was miserable for the first semester that they were at school and desperately, 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 I think, wanted to come home. But second semester, they had rush. And they went Greek after going through Rush. Mm-hmm. And their school, their life at school changed completely. And the biggest thing about their first semester was they were socially miserable. They, they were having trouble finding a place that they fit. Uh, and then after they found, found Greek life, they found a place that they fit. And it 
changed their perspective completely. Okay, so I say all of this to say I kind of bow back at people that that very glibly say, oh, you're paying for your friends. Yeah. Because whatever club you're paying a membership fee for, you're paying to be around like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Whether that club is the music club or the comic book collectors club or the shoot you even pay fees to to play intramural sports if sports (laughs) is your thing everybody's paying to do something that they like and to be around people that they identify with so you're not buying your friends you're paying to be in an organization with like-minded people and that helps you socialize and make friends so you know judgment much yeah, Abby's favorite thing about sorority life was the friends that she made. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're friends for life, and a lot of them actually moved to Memphis. So she's always with them. So invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've even noticed now is uh, I've lost touch with a good bit of mine, but I'll get a message randomly and it'll say, such and such a sister, you know, just lost their dad. And we'll all throw some money in to give a gift, gift basket to her or one, somebody struggling. And it doesn't matter that we haven't talked to them in a long time. We still have that bond. We're still going to rally behind you because we had that time together. Okay, and one more thing, just on the, on the whole social identity and skills thing. Mm-hmm. My daughter, who graduated from a great school and has a great resume because of where she graduated from, a lot of the skills that are on her resume are skills that she picked up from a sorority that she was in. So, cool. I mean, the stuff that you do in the sorority helps, helps you, you actually learn skills that you can use later on in your career. So I think that, that that is actually a big pro, that one pro. But the next one is my con, and that is a time commitment. I, it is a heavy time commitment, especially when I was going through Pledgeship. Pledgeship took several months. I think they have it cut down to like six weeks now, but... When, when I was a pledge, you know, you were a pledge for four to six months uh, before you actually initiated. And as a pledge, you were expected to do all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. But even as an active member, you have to go to chapter meetings. You have things that are mandatory attendance. There's there's events you have to attend. There, there are commitments that you have. So it does take up time that is taking away from time that you could spend somewhere else at college. As I mentioned earlier in this episode, that is the one thing that kept me from Greek life was the mm-hmm. time commitment. I was just like, I want a blank slate. I want freedom. Yeah. And uh, on top of the the time thing, I will also say one of the things that one of my daughters had an issue with with her sorority was uh, the requirement that you live in the house for a certain period of time. You you It wasn't an option to live in the sorority house. You were required mm. to live in the sorority house. And, um, and, and not, that mean, was an all, issue. Yeah, not all of them have housing. Yeah. On a positive thing with the time commitment, though, I'm thinking about it as you think about colleges also, there's a lot of mental stuff going on with it. And so if you break up with a guy or you have like you're having a rough time, those kind of forced commitments, someone's going to notice that you're not at those things. Someone's going to be calling and saying, hey, you missed chapter meeting or you missed this event. And so it's a little bit more of a safety net because obviously you're away at school, your parents aren't there. So I know several times it was ways for us to check on some sisters that just were going through a rough time and it opened our eyes of like, hey, where have they been? We need to go check on them. And Mm -hmm. like built-in accountability partners. It is. Okay, so we're kind of pro and then wrapping into kind of some last little things here because we've talked about Greek a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, the value of your Greek experience is up to you. So, you know, pro is how 
you, it can be fun, but you've got to do your due diligence before making a commitment because it is a commitment. It is a financial commitment. Yeah. It is a time commitment. But if you put in the work, it's going to give a lot back to you. There's lots of different organizations. Um, if you don't like partying, don't join the house that has the reputation for being the partiers. If you want to be you know, more inclusive, look for those different groups. Do your homework on the group that you're going to be with. I love this line on this article I found. If you aren't a Harry Potter fan, maybe avoid the house with a giant Quidditch field in the side yard. (laughs) It's all about the kind of experience you wish to have. Either way, you are guaranteed that if you join a fraternity or sorority, it's going to force you to figure out who you are, and it's really going to help dedicate some different skills and really sharpen who you want to be if you allow yourself to fully embrace the opportunity you have. It's going to give you that balance act of academics and social mm-hmm. because they're going to want you to have fun. They're going to want you to be at all the things, but they're also going to make sure at the end of the day, you're in college to get that degree. They're going to help you. If your grades aren't great, they're going to ask how they can help. They may assign somebody to be a study partner for you. They're not going to be like, you know, the show Greek and Animal House where they've got a storage locker full of the test. Like, no, they're not going to help you cheat, but they will help you learn and be a part of things like that. Don't give that look, Court. <laughs> that does not happen. <laughs> I'm not saying we cheated, but I knew some, I knew some fraternities with a draw. <laughs> I mean, you're creating lifelong friendships, but the thing is also it strengthens your resume. And that's something that a lot of people can think about. If nothing else, it's good to put on your resume And so with that, I kind of want to wrap this episode up with some facts about putting Greek life on your resume, because obviously you've been in this group and you don't want to just put, I was a Kappa Delta. You want to put what that actually meant. Yes. Okay. To someone who understands that means you made a commitment to join an organization, but underneath it, you don't need to put that you won, like most likely to still be up at. Like, okay, I won an award of most likely to be up for 48 hours baking cupcakes. Well, that was for a nonprofit event. But obviously, if I put that on a resume, they're going to be like, what the heck is this? Like, Mm -hmm. this sounds some like drug award. Mm -hmm. Don't put stuff like that. But you can put led a nonprofit event for my sorority or was treasurer or something like that. Those are leadership key roles that you had within that sorority or fraternity that could be put on your resume to help beef it up of the skills that you learned. Now, I will say this. I think, and I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I think what you're you're really directing this at people that are doing their initial resume building. You know, I'm 26 years into my, my working life and career. I think any employer now that if they saw on my resume, like down at the bottom, I was president of my fraternity, they'd be like, why the heck is this on your resume? You've been working for 26 years and you still have to mention your, <laughs> you were president of your fraternity? Haven't you done other stuff? There's two sides to that, though, because... Yes, obviously, this is somebody who doesn't have a beefy work history to put on the resume. So it is somebody of how you can leverage this. And there would be a point that after you've got some more work experience, you drop this off. But I kind of see a little bit of a plus, depending on who it's going to, of adding not all the things you did, but just putting like member of Kappa Delta or something like that. If I'm I'm applying for a job at a Fortune 500 and I know the CEO was from my fraternity, then I'm going to put my fraternity on there. But So much of it is that a resume is not just a blanket resume that you give to everybody. You customize it. And so with that, 
Obviously, if you're trying to get a creative job, then you may put some of the more creative things you did in the organization. If it's going to be more towards like, you know, business related, maybe you put that you were the manager of this, the treasurer of this. But yes, I'm not saying that when you are 50 years old applying for a new job, which is, you, I'm almost 50, that so you thanks. put on your resume that you were in charge of circle time in your I fraternity. I was the pledge educator. These were the skills that I learned from that. Pledge, drink, now! <laughs> Oh, Lord, this is somebody starting out, and that's <laughs> what we're trying to help them with this. So it's up to you if you want to put these on your resume or not. Um, let's let's bullseye this up, because we have talked about Greek life a lot. Let's bullseye this up. Okay, my bullseye, obviously, I, I'm pro-Greek, but I'm also pro people deciding what's best for them. And so I think that it's a good opportunity for you to go to a big scary place which is college and really have that network of people that can help you wade through these three four five eight however long it takes you to get out of college Mm -hmm. those years and that you will have this tight-knit group but it is so much of it what you make of it if you're willing to put in the work and the time commitment then it will give a lot back to you but if you really don't think that it's a fit for you, then don't do it. And it doesn't mean that you're anti-Greek. It's just you know that it wasn't the right fit for you. Right. Uh, I will follow up your bullseye with sort of just keep on going with that idea, which is basically this. I am not pro-Greek. I'm not anti-Greek, but I am not pro-Greek. I... um, um, my experience with, with Greek life and, and my wife's experience with Greek life and the experience that I knew of a lot of other people with Greek life didn't make me just gung-ho that everybody should do it. Uh, and the cost is substantial. I cannot stress that enough. Um, but I'm also not anti-Greek because I did have a child who had a very, very positive experience in Greek life. So um, I also had a child that wasn't in Greek life at all. And I had one who was in Greek life shortly, but uh, only very briefly. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, I mean, I've sort of my experience with my children's experience with Greek life has run the gamut, but it hasn't really made me pro or anti. It's just sort of I'm very sort of cautious and I want anybody who's thinking about going into it or anybody who has a kid who's thinking about going into it to really uh, do your research and do your due diligence, which I guess is always sort of a thing that ultimately we have to recommend to all of our clients. You know, don't just go into it blindly. Understand what the costs are going to be. Understand whether or not it's going to be a fit for you and how ultimately it's going to benefit you. And that's my bullseye. Court, you're a thief. You're a thief. You stole my bullseye. (laughs) I was just going to say I'm not anti-Greek at all. I had a lot of Greek friends. It was good for my wife. But I would just say don't feel pressured to do it. It's great. A lot of successful people were in in Greek life. But don't feel like, oh, I have to do it because my friend circle from high school is doing it. It's a personal choice. Yeah. Cameron spaketh the truth. I spake. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what do you know? There's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service. We're on all of them. And sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your favorite listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Cameron, Katie, or Court, please feel free to go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. Our bios are there. You can read about us. And you can also communicate with us if you want to leave a comment, suggest a a topic, 
or something like that, please feel free to do so. If you like pictures, boy, do we have the pictures. You can go to Instagram and check out our handle. That's at Bullcast Podcast. And also, we do have a Twitter handle, uh, and that is at Bullcast Podcast as well. Um, Katie thus far has not been able to convince us that we should do a TikTok. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the compliance wouldn't let us even if we wanted yeah, to. Yeah, it's not even happening. So, boom. That is all you get from us. Other than the fact that, have we mentioned before, ladies and gentlemen, that Katie, Cameron, and I, all three, work for a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. We're a financial advisory service. And if you'd like to find out more about what we do at Pickler Wealth Advisors, find out more about our awesome team, our boss, David Pickler, or even a little bit more about us feel free to go to that website that is picklerwealthadvisors.com that's advisors with an o not an e ladies and gentlemen i have given you so so much to be going on with so for now i'm court i'm katie i'm cam and we are out